have everyone here tonight. Let's give all of our guests a great big hand. We're delighted that you are here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It is good to see Sister Shelley here. God bless you from Milford. Amen. The Lord bless you. And we've been praying for Brother Cox. And uh, he has, of course, as you know, been struggling over the last uh, several years with, uh, the last couple of years with cancer. Uh, and the doctors had just given him such dire reports. But we showed up the viewing of Brother Albert Friend the other day and saw Brother Cox walking in his strength going into that place to, to pay tribute to his friend. I said, Brother Cox, you look so good. He said, I feel good. He said, the Lord touched me. Hallelujah. We give God praise for that. We give God praise for that. And, 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 all, and, and the, the doctors are confounded. They said, we don't know where the tumors went. They were in your liver and they're not there now. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to his name. Come on, somebody. He's in this house right now. He's in this house right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We are so honored to, to have with us our very good and dear friend, Brother Luami Diaz. And, uh, and I know that you have come with expectation in your heart to receive a word from the Lord. Without further ado, we're going to turn this pulpit over to this wonderful preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you came here tonight needing to hear from God, you can rest assured that you're going to hear from the Lord. Could we just receive our good friend, Brother Diaz, to the Tree of Life Church? God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord all over this building. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen. 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 So good to be back in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, home of Skyline. Amen. It is, uh, it is an acquired taste that I have not acquired. Uh, but it is, it is good uh, to be here and to be with uh, my good friend, Pastor Urshan, and all of you. It is always good to see uh, people of like-minded faith and people who persevere in the Lord. Amen. As many, as many people uh, that are falling by the wayside, it is always good uh, to see people who are persevering along with you and uh, who are keeping the faith and who are steady and, and, and constant in their walk with God. And uh, tonight I want to bring you to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 15 through verse 20. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through verse 20. And the Bible reads this so in the name of Jesus Christ. 
See then that you walk circumspectively, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and giving thanks, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to speak to you just uh, several minutes on this subject, the secret power to redeeming the time, the secret power to redeeming the time. There is a secret that is given to us here and uh, to redeeming the time. And I want to I know how to redeem this time. Would you come with me in prayer and ask the Lord to help us? Father, we uh, ask you to bless the word that will come forth from my mouth and that your people may hear it, but not just hear it, that they may appropriate it. Help me to be honest with this text, to bring it forth in a manner that is understandable, and that, oh God, your words may not return to you void, but that they would accomplish what you have set out for it to do. Uh, give us the strength, oh God, to uh, trust you in everything and to change whatever needs to be changed in our spiritual walk that we may mature. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Oh, and God, would you give LeBron James just a little strength here tonight? Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. The, the more I observe this generation, the more I notice that there is a spirit of laziness and a lack of work ethic that has taken a hold of our generation. Our children want to live their lives inundated with entertainment and pastimes, and many don't know what discipline, work, work ethic, and sacrifice is. And in light of this observation, this year, I instituted a rule in my own home uh, to the chagrin of my children that in addition to homework, they have to do at least one productive activity and one or two or uh, better yet, like 12, chores around the home daily. One, two would be nice, but 12 would be better. This, this is important to me. And the reason why is because I, I want my boys to learn to be productive. Like sometimes I'm a perfectionist, so sometimes I have to go back and finish the chores that they, that they finished. But that's not the point. The point is not uh, the quality of the work. The point is that they work. And I want them to be able to carry the yoke of responsibility even from their youth. I want them to learn to redeem the time. See, ladies and gentlemen, this is, time is the only thing in life that cannot be recovered. Every second that we live replaces another that we lost. 
That's why it's important that we don't lose time because it's one of the most important things we've been given on planet Earth. In my, in my opinion, time is more valuable than money because we only have a fixed amount of time on this Earth and we can't multiply it, we can't add to it, we can't subtract from it. Uh, we can make more money, but we cannot make more time. And what good is it to make more money if we don't have the time to enjoy it? See, when you invest money in someone, your time can help you recuperate the money that you invested in that person. But when you invest time into someone, no money on earth can help you recuperate the time you have spent. So when you gift someone the gift of quality time, you are giving them something that you will never be able to recuperate. That is pretty valuable to me. That's pretty valuable. See, in our text, Paul tells us, and he tells the brethren in Ephesus that they should redeem the time. It, because every new day brings with it 24 new hours, 1,440 new minutes, 86,400 new seconds. Every moment is a gift from God. Every second demands that we are great stewards of the time that God has allotted to us. But Paul speaks to the church with a sense of urgency. There's a specific reason why, for why Paul wants the church to redeem the time. He tells the church, the reason why I need you to redeem the time is because the days are evil. The days are evil. Time is short. How, how much truth is in that statement right there, especially because just a few years after Rome would be burned down, and according to history, Nero, the emperor, drowned the Christians in their own blood. In, in, other, in other words, the church of Ephesus was face to face with evil days, dark days. They only had a few years left to be witnesses of Jesus in the world. And so they could not afford to waste their time. They could not afford. Paul was telling them, redeem the time. Time is short. You may feel like you're full of energy and health and, and prosperity right now, but you only have a few years, Ephesus. You only have a few years before your time is going to be cut short here on planet Earth. Beloved, just as with the city of Ephesus, we are also living in dark and scary and evil days. You can't watch or listen to the news without hearing of the world going through a new crisis, a new scandal, a new sign that indicates that Jesus' eminent return is at hand. You can't watch it. Just in a period of 11 months last year, North Korea launched ballistic missiles over Japan into the Sea of Japan. The United Kingdom is no longer part of the European Union. The U.S. launched 59 missiles into the inner base in Syria as retribution for a chemical attack on the Syrian government uh, on their own people, which killed 74 people. And we just did that again just last week. There were two major terrorist attacks in England. Hurricane Harvey punished the Houston area, causing more than 200 
billion dollars worth of damage in the process. 58 people were killed in the deadliest shootout in the history of our nation in Las Vegas, Nevada. An earthquake in Mexico City killed 370 people and injured more than 6,000 people as it registered a 7.1 on the Richter scale. Hurricane Maria, a category 5 hurricane and the biggest natural disaster in the history of the Caribbean islands, killed several hundred and left millions of dollars in damages and people are still trying to recover today from this hurricane. Why? Because time is evil and there are signs everywhere that time is short. Time is evil. All of this took place within a span of 11 months. In other words, we are still living in perilous times. And this is why Paul says that we should redeem the time because time is short. The end is near. Jesus is coming soon. And we must occupy our time doing God's will on earth. And the question I have for the Apostle Paul is how, Paul, do we redeem the time? You, you have told us to redeem the time, but how do we redeem as Christians the time? Well, there are several different ways that Paul suggests in chapter 5 that we should redeem our time as Christians. And these all have to do with walking. He says you ought to walk in love. That's how you redeem the time. Walk in love. See, walk in love, this is 5 verse 2, is Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. Walk in love. See, the more I live, the more I realize that if I'm going to err, I should err on the side of love and not on the side of judgment just on the side of love there's a side of mercy that's the side I want to err in because God is love this is the only attribute of God that is that is intrinsic to him he is merciful but he is not mercy you know but God is love God is love and so we should walk in love and then for every uh, aspect of uh, uh, for everything that we should walk in there is a corresponding thing that we should not do and verse 4 tells us we should walk in love but how do you not redeem the time well the way you don't redeem the time is by involving your time in fornication and uncleanness and covetousness let it not even be named among you Paul said as is fitting for saints neither filthiness nor foolish talking this is what Paul is saying. That's how you don't redeem the time. If you don't redeem the time, this is what you'll do. If you want to redeem the time, then walk in light. First you walk in love, but now you also walk in light. He said, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And how do you not redeem the time? Well, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't be friends with darkness. Don't walk in darkness. Don't walk among it. Let it not even be mentioned among of you. That's how you do not redeem the time. Well, how else do I redeem the time, Paul? Well, 515 
16 tells you, you redeem the time by walking in wisdom. See them that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. This is how you redeem the time, walking as a wise man. And then how do you not redeem the time? Therefore, do not be unwise. And the way to not be wise is not understanding what the will of the Lord is. If you don't understand what the will of the Lord is, then you are work, walking in, uh, in, in a lack of wisdom. And this is what Paul is saying. You won't redeem the time if you don't know the will of God. You won't redeem the time if you don't know the word of God. You won't redeem the time if you don't know the purposes of God for your life. And what is the purpose of your life. So how does one walk in love? Love having to do with your affections and involving your heart. How does one walk in light which has to do with your actions and your body? And how does one walk in wisdom that has to do with your thinking and your mind? These are the three aspects of life. The way you feel, the way you behave, and the way you think. The three aspects of life. Well, the way that you do that in 518 is by being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. That is in which there is unruliness. That's what dissipation means. Don't walk, don't be drunk with wine. There is foolishness in wine. You won't redeem your time if you get drunk with wine. But what you ought to do is be filled with the Spirit. And there's a specific contrasting parallel between being filled with the Spirit and being drunk with wine here in this passage. And the point that Paul is making in this text is not specifically referring to the phenomenon of speaking in other tongues when he says being filled with the Spirit. That is not necessarily what he's talking about, though I still believe that speaking in tongues is an, an essential component to our Christian walk today. I still believe that we are edified when we speak in other tongues. And we edify the church when there is interpretation of those same tongues. I still believe that that gift is still active in the life of today. But I don't believe that that's what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about the initial measure of the spirit that believers get at the point of conversion. That is not what Paul is talking about in this verse. Paul is talking about a continual experience in this text. It is a continual, a daily, a perpetual, an interactive relationship with the Spirit. Uh, just like a drunkard is under the influence of his wine. He did not get, you don't get drunk by taking one sip. That's not what he's saying. You don't take one sip every Sunday morning and get drunk. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's got to be a continual drinking, a daily drinking, a perpetual drinking, an interactive relationship. Uh, just like a drunkard is influenced by his wine, so much so that he has lost his ability to reason properly and to think on his own behalf appropriately. That's how we should all be so full and so saturated and so inundated with the spirit that everything we do and everything we say and everything 
we think would be influenced by the spirit of God that every decision that we make that every step that we take that every work that we do that every word that we speak that every activity that we engage in would be influenced by the spirit of God that every single morning when we wake up we say good morning Holy Ghost this is what Paul is saying that's how you properly redeem the time being filled with the spirit ask a spirit is it okay to watch what I'm about to watch is it okay to read what I'm about to read is it okay with you to hang out with whom I'm gonna hang out with is it okay to go where I want to go what benefit will I get from visiting such and such a place is it all right with you see and when you are filled with the spirit you will know what the will of God is when you are filled with the spirit you will walk in love because love is the outwork of the spirit this is the fruit of the spirit the first thing is love this is the outwork of it when you are filled with the spirit you will walk in light and when you're filled with the spirit you'll walk in wisdom you'll be discerning of things that come your way throughout the day you'll know who to pray for you'll know who to interact with you'll know who to give a hand to you'll know who to embrace you'll know who to step away from you'll know these things when you are filled with the spirit our God have mercy this is extremely important to us because to walk in the spirit is not just something you do one time it is not just something you feel when you come to tree of life church it is not something that happens just on Sunday mornings and Sunday evening and you see this clearly if you if you would read this in the Greek you'll understand because the the uh, the, the tense in the Greek of that imperative to be filled is continual you know what that means it's not just be filled with the spirit but it should be translated continue to be filled with the spirit always be filled with the spirit keep your level of filling active with the spirit let the spirit continue to influence your everyday life you see when you wake up you ought to be filled with the spirit when you go to sleep you ought to be filled with the spirit even at school you ought to be filled with the spirit I'm telling you if you were more filled with the spirit at school you'd get better grades if you were filled with the spirit at work you'd know how to answer when that boss is off his rocker you would know what words to say if you were filled with the spirit if you continue to be filled with the spirit every single day at your life even at Walmart you can be filled with the spirit what should I buy how should I buy it oh Lord how can I help what should I do the spirit is what ought to lead you in all things spirit Amen. I saw a sticker the other day that said, how do you avoid a hangover? How do you avoid a hangover? And then it gave you the answer. It said, keep drinking. Amen. How do you avoid a hangover? 
just keep drinking. Don't ever stay drunk is what he meant. Stay drunk. You see, this is what Paul was trying to tell the church in Ephesus. He was trying to tell the church, if you want to avoid a spiritual hangover on Monday, then don't stop being filled with the Spirit on Sunday. You should not limit your infilling to just when Pastor Urshan is preaching. Don't limit your spirit infilling just when your favorite song comes on. Don't limit the spirit infilling. You keep getting drunk in the spirit. Continue to be filled with the spirit on Monday morning. Lift up your hands even while you're in bed and say thank God for a new day. I'm going to be filled with the spirit on today on Tuesday morning say I'm a little tired but you're going to renew my inner strength this morning and continue to be filled with the spirit this is what the apostle is saying stay filled with the spirit because if you're filled with the spirit the spirit will guide you into all truth according to John 16 and 13 when you're filled with the spirit the spirit will lead you according to Romans 8 14 it will be sanctify you by the spirit the Bible tells me in Romans 5 listen you can't walk in light unless you have the spirit of God the Bible said to walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh this is how you walk this is how you act this is how you envision you've got to walk in the spirit the Spirit, it empowers you according to Luke chapter 4. The Spirit helps you in your weaknesses. And even when you don't even know what to pray, the Spirit knows how to make intercession on your behalf. That's why you need to be filled with the Spirit. Because sometimes you don't even know what you need. You don't even know what's making you sad. You don't even know what you need in your spiritual walk. But the Spirit says, I got you, baby. I got you. Let me make intercession on your behalf. Let me pray when you don't even know what to pray for. Let me ask God to reveal things to you. The Spirit anoints you for ministry. The Spirit manifests itself in gifts to each of us in order to profit all of us in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The Spirit is what seals you for redemption and it's, it is the earnest of your inheritance according to Ephesians. So we need the Spirit. See, the Spirit is the only approved biblical substance that one can allow to influence oneself. I heard somebody say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about drugs. Well, it, it doesn't specifically, but it does so in principle. Because the Bible talks about anything you come under the influence of. Don't let anything enslave you again. That's what the Bible says. You don't come, Romans chapter 6, you don't come under the influence of anything. You only yield your members unto God as unto righteousness. That's the only thing you yield your members unto. That's the only thing you yield your body to. You yield yourself to that. And so this is what the Bible talks. Let me tell you something. Yes, the Bible does talk about drugs. Not in a, not in a specific way, but in a roundabout way. 
See, the word that is translated witchcraft or sorcery in our English Bible is the word pharmakeia, where we get pharmacy from, where we get our drugs from. And, and the reason why pharmakeia was translated witchcraft, it evolved into what, what now we call pharmacy and where we get drugs. The, and the, and the, the correlation between the words is the, the abuse of drugs to induce altered stages of consciousness to aid in occultic practices. This is what would happen with the witches. They would take potions and they would get into trances and that's how they would give their trance as they were high in their little potions and that was what was called witchcraft, pharmakeia. That's where we get pharmacy. This is where we get the drugs from. It is listed with the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 20 and it is one of the things which will bar you from the kingdom of God the Bible says. Nothing in the Bible escapes the Bible and when referring to the spirit of God Paul is saying in essence get high on it the only thing I approve that you can be under the influence of is the Holy Spirit don't be drunk with wine don't engage pharmacia but what I do want you to do just as a drunkard is full with his wine is you get filled with the spirit your mind altered by the Spirit of God. Have your influence altered by the Spirit of God. Now, now I, I, I understand what some of you are saying and you are saying, you're asking a question, well, what, what does the Spirit and redeeming the time and all that have to do with a secret power? It, we all know that's not a secret. We're Pentecostals. We know what the Spirit is. So what does the Spirit have to do with a secret power? Well, I understand, but that's not the secret I'm talking about. See, the secret, the secret is not that you should be filled with the Spirit. The secret is that in order to redeem the time, you should be filled with the Spirit, but then Paul tells you how to remain perpetually filled with the Holy Spirit. In essence, what Paul is saying is, if you want to redeem the time, then you must be filled with the Spirit. If you want to redeem the time, then walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. If you want to walk in love, light, and wisdom, then you need to be filled with the Spirit. But if you want to be filled with the Spirit, there's something I want you to do. And in order to understand what that secret is, you've got to go back to what Paul said in our text. Here it goes. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for it. See, we always stop the verse on, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, period. But don't you ever put a period where God puts a comma. God didn't stop at be filled with the Spirit. He put a comma in there to tell you, this is how. This is how you're going to continue to be filled with the Spirit. And how do you do it? This is what he tells you. Be filled with the Spirit. Watch this. He said, and, and do not drunk, be drunk with wine, which is his salvation. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking 
to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to God and giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the secret. If you want the secret power to redeeming the time, this is what Paul is saying. You have to learn to sing. Of all the things, of all the things, he could have easily told you, you know, stay red hot on fire on your knees at all times and pray without sea. I mean, and that is part of it, but that is not what he said. He said, if you want to stay filled with the Spirit on a daily basis, 24-7, continually, if you want to stay filled with the Spirit, here's a secret power. I'm going to give you, Christian, learn to sing all the way from the morning to the evening. Learn to sing one to another. That is involving, that is involving corporate work worship on Sundays, but also singing spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. That is while you're by yourself, make sure that you learn to sing the praises of God. See, the Christian church was born in song, according to Ralph Martin, who was a historian of the first church. He said the Christian church was born in song. They would get together on the first day of the week. And you know what the, 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 the most that they did during their time together, according to history, they would sing unto the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are a singing people. No other religion on planet earth sings like the Christian church. You know that Muslims do not allow singing in their mosques. Do you know that Buddhists, when was the last time you heard a Buddhist singing radio station? They don't have songs that they do for their religion. Do you know the only people on planet earth who are known, who are identified, and who are distinguished by song is the people of God. So much so that even the Babylonians said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. That's what you're known for. That's what we know about you. You are a singing people. Sing to us one of the songs of Zion. There's a reason for all of this, ladies and gentlemen. It's because God is so majestic. God is so spectacular. God is so great. God is so unending. God is so transcendent. God is so glorious that sometimes words are not enough to express the greatness of our God. So you've got to add prose to your words. And then if prose is not enough, sometimes we add poetry to our words. And if poetry is not enough, then go ahead and add some worship to it. But if that's not enough, go ahead and add song to your worship. And if that's not enough, go ahead and express yourself in dance. God is so great that one aspect of our worship is not enough. Singing beautifies the glory of God.
my God, when you sing, the church is revived. When you sing, evil spirits are calmed. When you sing, it elevates those who are disgruntled. When you sing, it humbles the pride. When you sing, it exalts your God. When you sing, it destroys. Even walls come down when the church begins to sing. Wars are won and battles are won when the church begins to sing. The devil is rebuked from your life when you lift up your voice and begin to sing. Demons have to flee when you begin to sing. Oh, the sick are healed when you begin to sing. Storms are calmed when you begin to sing. You've got to learn how to sing. You know what I love about this? I love this so much because as I was researching this text, I realized that he said talking to one another with spiritual songs and hymns or with, with uh, psalms and so forth. Talking to one another. And I said, how do you talk to one another with song? That's the weirdest thing. How do you talk with song? You know, hey, brother, how great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? You know what I'm saying? That is the, that's the weirdest thing. You know, hey, brother, then sings my soul. Like it's, it's just, it just, it just, it's, it's weird. So I went back and I started studying the word and I found something. That when it says that you should speak to one another uh, in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, I went back to that word. Do you know what that word is? It is laleo. Laleo is the word that is used in the Greek. And that word is pretty important because it doesn't, it's not the normal word that is used for speaking. There's another Greek word for speaking. This word that he uses is, is not found anywhere else in scripture but here. And it's laleo. And you know, when I was doing my research on that, what, what I found that it's, it, laleo is just like it sounds. It's when you start going la 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 la. It's the same. It's the same deal. It's not talking about words in specific. It's talking about a humming noise. It's talking about a lalaing, you know, if you will. When you talk to one another, you ought to talk to them in lala language. You ought to talk to them in humming language. You know, it's not weird for you to go to somebody, somebody's bedside, and begin to hum. Oh, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, and oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation you know it's not a weird thing for you to hum certain songs you know it's not weird for us when you feel depression is coming your way sometimes you don't even know what to sing but begin to hum your way in the car amen thank you Jesus we love you Jesus begin to sing a song and make melody in your heart this is what it's saying engage in laleo because when you do so you stay filled with the spirit and when you stay filled with the spirit then you will walk in love and walk in light and walk in wisdom and redeem the time when you stay filled with the spirit this is what comes of it 
Singing is so important that 4,000 of the priests of the Levites at the temple dedication were dedicated full-time to full-time ministry. And all they had to do was song, song, 4,000 of those Levites. And singing is so important to God that a whole book in the Old Testament is called song. That's what psalms means, songs. And it, it is, that's why we don't say Psalms chapter 23 because because it's not a chapter it is a song it is a psalm psalms 23 that's how we say it that's how important it is and it is the biggest book in the bible the biggest book in the bible is called song it's almost as though god was saying if i'm gonna have a people i'm gonna have a singing people if i'm gonna have a people i'm gonna make sure that these people know how much importance i give to singing by making the book of the Bible a book of songs the Psalms was Israel's hymn book they didn't just talk about the songs like we do they sang the Psalms amen this is their hymn book this is what they did and of all the books of the Old Testament it was the book of Psalms that was quoted by Jesus the most not Isaiah not the Pentateuch the book of Psalms was quoted by Jesus the most it was his affirmation statement on this singing business this is what he did and you know if you want to know what will you say well I just don't know how to sing I, I just you know I'll just come and I'll just hear other people sing because you know some people they, they, they're just not that great at singing and I'm one of them and I just don't want to do it or I just come to church to hear the word I'm not about the singing well, well or I'm not emotional so I don't sing well here's the problem with all that the Bible doesn't suggest that you are to sing the Bible commands you to sing make a joyful noise unto the Lord all your lands all your people serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing you can't even come into the presence of God without a song. This is what God is saying. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord, all ye earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. And then if you thought, you know, well, I just don't know. If I Listen, this is what the Bible tells you. It's an imperative. This is what James says. If there is any sick among you, then listen, let them pray. But if there's anybody that's got a little joy, if there's anybody that's happy, if there's anybody that's cheerful, then the Bible says, let him sing. Let him sing. You ought to sing. By him, therefore, let us offer unto God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of your lips. Giving thanks unto his name. It is singing that's going to keep you filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Singing is what's going to keep you filled with the Spirit. I wish I had time to go into all the times in the Bible when people were down and out, but they sang a song unto the Lord. I love how Paul and Silas, the Bible said at midnight, they began to pray and sing songs unto their God. 
they had fetters, they had chains, they had been beaten, they were bloodied, but the devil couldn't stop them from singing their song. I can almost imagine, you know, history says that Paul had a, a speech impediment and some would even say that his voice was, was, was a little high pitched. That's, that's, that's what uh, uh, I read somewhere in history that uh, most, even in the Corinthian church, this is what he was known for, I guess. He, his voice was a little high pitched. So I can almost imagine as they were there at midnight and all of a sudden Paul, after praying, said, hey, Brother Silas. <laughs> You know, he had a little Tevin Campbell voice going on, a little Michael Jackson in him. Say, hey, hey, Brother Silas. He said, uh, uh, you, you know, I feel like we should probably start a little song. And, and here Silas, Silas goes, yeah, Paul, I, I think we should probably sing a song as well. And so Paul said, you know what, let's start. There is power. So Paul Paul pulled out his little hymn book and said, there is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. And so, so Silas began, he said, okay, Paul, I see you singing soprano. I see you. So I, I, I think I'm going to sing a little tenor. So, so Silas began to sing tenor. And you know what happens when you began to sing, right? The Lord starts looking down. <laughs> upon the people that are singing. This is how you are filled with the Spirit. So as they were singing, I can almost imagine that the Lord kind of, you know, shook the clouds a little bit and looked down and said, oh, I see somebody singing out there. My God, I love that duo of Paul and Silas. Paul singing soprano, Silas singing tenor. He said, you know what? I think I'm going to get down there and make that duo a trio. <laughs> So Paul was singing soprano, Silas was singing tenor, and the Lord said, I'm going to sing bass. And he got so low that the foundations of that jail cell began to tremble as the Lord began to sing. I wonder in this place if anybody's got a song in their lips. I wonder in this place in the midst of your jail if somebody was saying, I've got a secret to keep the Holy Ghost in me. That secret is to lift up my voice and sing. And when I sing, the Lord says, I'm going to be in the midst of my people. I'm going to sing along with you. I'm going to hear your praise I inhabit the praises of my people sing Christian sing learn how to sing in your daily activity I dare you when anxiety begins to mount up in your life I dare you to lift your voice and sing I dare you to do it I'm done, but a Christian who doesn't sing is like a skinny fat Albert. <laughs> a Christian who doesn't sing is like a mule without stink. A Christian who doesn't sing is like a cop without Krispy Kreme. <laughs> a Christian who doesn't sing is like Mike Tyson without a lisp. <laughs> a Christian who doesn't sing is like a black man without rhythm. There's absolutely no use for you if you've got no rhythm. 
A Christian who doesn't sing is like a white man who's always late. I'm not going to say no names here in this house. <laughs> a Christian who doesn't sing is like a Mexican who likes Donald Trump. It's like CNN telling the truth. It's like a pedicurist who's not Asian. It's like an Amish photographer. They don't exist. See, there is, if you're a Christian, there is one thing we know how to do as a people. The one thing we know how to do is sing. Sing. We sing in the shower. We sing in the car. We sing at our job. We sing at our school. We shove a headphone in our ear and we have a little praise break even in our little break for lunch. We know how to sing. The people of God is a singing people. Did you know did you know that even on the cross, as Jesus was crucified, his next to last words were a song? We oftentimes don't, don't see it that way, but we don't realize what the Lord was doing when he lifted up his voice and said, Eli, Eli, lava sabachthani. Do you know what he was doing? He was quoting a song. To Israel, the songs weren't things you talked. They were hymns. There were songs. They sang them during synagogue. They sang them in, on the Sabbath. They sang them during their time alone. This is what they did with singing. This is what they did. It was a song when the Lord gave the title of a song, Psalms 22. What he was telling everybody is, I'm leaving, but I'm going to head out here how I got in here. When I got here, the angels sang, when I leave, I'm leaving with a song on my lips. Eli, Eli, laba sabachthani. And I love what that psalm says. What he was singing is what everybody would have known, everybody would have known what he was talking about when he was at the cross, when he made that statement. The only people who didn't know what he was saying were the Romans. They, they didn't follow any of the songs. But if you were Jew, a Jew, you would have known exactly what hymn that was. So you would have went back to what the hymn was saying. Here's what he was saying. God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. But then he said, in the midst of his abandonment, apparent abandonment, the psalmist says, but you are holy. I find no fault with you. 
even in the midst of this tragedy, I find no fault with you. This is your will. It was your will to bruise your own son. You are holy. You who inhabit the praises of Israel. In the midst of his worst time, the Lord lifted up his voice in song. It's as though he's trying to tell somebody that's here today, even on your cross, you can lift up your voice. <clears throat> Sing a song. Don't lay fault on him. Say, Jesus, you're, you're sweet. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Jesus, I praise you. Even when all hell is coming down with you, why should I feel discouraged? Why should the darkness come? Why should I feel lonely and long for heaven and a home when Jesus is my portion? A constant friend is he. And if his eye is on the sparrow, then I know that he watches over me. Don't you stop singing. You sing the song. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know that he watches over me. Even as we bring this service to a conclusion here, I want you to do something. In, 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 in lieu of, of, of coming down and, and praying at this altar, although that, that is an option for you, I'm not trying to abolish that. But what I would want you to do here today, lift up your voice. Let us sing a congregational song. When you do, I don't want you to pay attention so much to the melody or, you know, how good your neighbor is singing it. I really want you to focus on the lyrics that you are singing. And I want you to lift up your voice unto the God of your salvation. This is what I believe for this service here tonight. That as you're singing, the Holy Ghost is going to fail people in this house. That as you are singing, he's going to inhabit the praises of Israel. That as you are singing, he's going to look down from his throne and say, you know what? I'm going to make that. I'm going, I'm going to join that choir. I'm going to sing along with my people. There is something about your singing that moves the throne of God. I'm telling you, you can sing even in the most tempest of all your troubles. You can still sing a song. Would you lift up your hands all over this building? Come on, singers, musicians, come up right now. Would you lift your hands all over this building right now? I want you to receive this word in your spirit. Even as you go on your daily business, I want you to receive this word. God is calling the church back to song. God is calling the church not to rush through their worship, not to rush through the times of singing. I want you to sing your song. Sing as much as you can. Sing during the day and evening. Sing during lunchtime. Sing, sing, sing. Because in singing, sing to your dying relatives. Sing to those who need a healing. Sing, sing, sing so that the evil spirit sent by God could be calmed. That's 
what David did. He sang, he played his harp unto the Lord and the evil spirits were rebuked. Sing your song unto the Lord and God is going to hear from heaven. God is going to heal you. God is going to tear down walls in your life when you begin to sing. Let us all stand to our feet here today. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I want you to put your hands on your neighbor if it's appropriate and if you can. And I want you all to lift your voice. And as a people, as a people of God, let us sing to the rock of our salvation. Let us sing with all of your might. Let us sing. Let the words come out like a river. Sing with the understanding. Don't just sing in the spirit, but sing with understanding. <clears throat> Don't, I don't just want you to babble and, you know, and, and praise. I want you to sing the words from the depth of your heart and the depth of your soul. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let us sing it. Sing that again, sing worthy. Word. 